Hello, 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 listener. Welcome to episode seven of ADR, that is Area de Rigori for BreakingLines.com. Thanks for joining. Wherever you're listening from Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I am your host, Danish Iqbal. How are you doing, Maxi? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's good to be back. Yes, Maxi has joined us as the recurring first guest, or will be now the, the co-host. So there you go, Maxi, you have co-host to the duties. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very good to hear. Yeah, lovely. You were getting some groceries, right? Before before, <laughs> before this. And I, me, me being the, I mean, I think I used to be okay with tech, but now I suck with it. So I, I couldn't. <laughs> producer Juan is in the building as well. And he and he, he got us the link and it, it wasn't me. So thank you for that, producer Juan. What'd you get, man? What groceries did you get? Yeah, just, just the usual. My, my fridge was completely empty and the store was closing, so I had to rush over there and, and get everything I need for the week. Damn. You're, you're based in Sweden. Yeah, correct. I'm based in, in Stockholm, Sweden. Okay, cool. We can dive into talk about the first thing. Mercato is open and it is going off. It's kicking off. <laughs> yeah. Dusan Dusan Vlavic, yes, we're talking about him again for like about I don't know the billionth time on this podcast. Dusan Vlavic finally picks where to go, and where is it? Of course, it was going to be Juve. Come on, Arsenal fans. Of course, it was going to be Juve. It was so obvious he was going there in the first place. Every Arsenal fan I know was like, "Oh, what do you think, Vlavic?" To uh, like, no, that was never happening. Serie A players rarely. Um, go across to to the Premier League as it is. Obviously, Lukaku recently did. It's not going out too well for him. But the, the step up, A, is huge. But B, they want to stay in Italy. Why would they go across to cold England? Uh, I think we mentioned as well last week, there's only four Italian players in the Premier League. But Dusan Vlavic to Juventus, I think it's basically confirmed, right? Yeah, yeah, more or less. Uh, Romeo Agresti, who are the, the go-to guy for Juve, knows he is confirmed it that he Dusan Vlaovic is going to sign a four and a half year contract with with Juve worth uh, seven million euros per season and uh, Juventus are going to pay around seventy five million euros for Dusan. Where'd they get that money from? <laughs> I thought they were in the <laughs> Yeah. The <laughs> investigation from the Italian IRS. I know, right? They were, uh, what was it, just two weeks ago getting invested, but all of a sudden Agnelli has found a new pair of pants and some money in it too. Yeah, yeah, I, I have no idea, to be honest, how, how they're managing this, but somehow they do. 75 million euros is a lot of money. Is that, so is he going to be signed immediately for, for January or is he going to be signed for the summer, in, as in, in the summer? No, no, he's going. He's going immediately. Okay, okay. What What do we think of this signing? I mean, it's it's a great signing for Juventus, and uh, and I and I think it's honestly a good deal for for Fiorentina as well. Uh, I tweeted this before that to be honest, what what excites me the most about this is how how Fiorentina are going to reinvest that money because recently they've. They've done great business, uh, and I think that now when they have a, when they finally have a good coach uh, as the Vincenzo Italiano, uh, they, they they have something good going. And I like the signings of Icone, uh, Gonzalez, Jontek uh, have to prove himself a bit in my eyes. But yeah, 
they, they have something interesting going. So I I really look forward to seeing uh, how they're going to react to this and uh, reinvest. But like I said, an obvious signing for me because it was um, he he made it clear he wanted to leave, and Fiorentina said that okay, if he wants to leave, we're, we're going to cash in on him. And uh, it ended up being Juve. They've had quite a few players go to Juve recently from Fiorentina, Bernadeschi, uh, Federico Chiesa. But I I think that Juve needed goals or need goals. And Vlaovic is, let's face it, one of the best strikers in the league, if not the best striker in the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's a great signing for Juventus. Uh, they've been lacking that quality goal scorer. Uh, they hoped Alvaro Morata was going to be that guy, but he hasn't. He hasn't been that guy. So, yeah, this is a great thing. Most clubs hope. <laughs> yeah. Most clubs hope Morata is going to be that guy. He never really seems to be, unfortunately. But but let's see. He he can be a, a better striker when he has somebody to link up with. But uh, I think Juve have been desperate for a striker probably since Ronaldo left. Really, they've they've missed out on on his goals after scapegoating him when when he was with them. So signing Locatelli last summer and then signing Vlahovic now in January, things may be slowly coming together for the for the Juventus rebuild. You you probably have. Uh, I think you could play three up top with Chiesa, Vlahovic and uh, Dybala. Let's see if Allegri even even uses that because I I personally would would do four three three Locatelli in the middle, give him a nice cushion of Bentancur and McKenny so they are able to sort of do the dog work and and the leave the ingenuity up to Locatelli and then just have my three up front Dybala, Roms, Chiesa can play uh, on either wing, but also occupy space up front, but Vlavic is mainly going to be that. His main contribution to this Juve team will be goals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the good thing for Juventus in Vlaovic is that he's a very versatile striker who can he can be on the, in the on the front foot to, to mainly be in the area penalty areas for goals. He can be a pressuring striker, running a lot. He can be a player who links up with the midfield and kind of starts attacks. So he's a very versatile striker as well, uh, which gives the Juve a bit of uh, tactical flexibility. And uh, yeah, in that in that regard, it's also a very good signing. Juve are basically getting a poacher here, right? Yeah, we're in agreement. Vlahovic is is mainly a poacher, but I know there's a lot of hullabaloo about how good he is, and there's been a lot of data viz and a lot of talk from the sort of analytics community um, about his expected goals and his and and non uh, non penalty expected goals and his sort of expected assists and everything because he he hasn't really done too much for Fiorentina apart from the main objective which was um, or has been scoring. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I, I mainly see him as a poacher, but Agreed. I, I do see that he has qualities that enables him to play a lot of roles as well, but I think the Juventus are going to use him as a poacher and that's what I mainly see him as. Agreed. I think there might be maybe slightly too much talk about him only just being there for goals uh, as a, a sort of a traditional centre-forward. But I think maybe playing with better players as well, he can prosper at, uh, at Juventus. Make no mistake, it's a really good signing. I'm interested and intrigued to see how he will take the fact that Juve are currently playing under Max Allegri and 
He has pre- previously said he was excited by the arrival of Vincenzo Tigliano. Fiorentina obviously play very good free-flowing football. They've come on leaps and bounds. They're wonderful to watch this year. Um, have some great linking players that you've already named uh, there. With Juventus, he surely knows that, okay, this is going to be Max Allegri. This is get one goal and then hold it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a change for him. Um, I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that he won't be able to to play in that in that system and that way. Um, but maybe he won't score as many goals as he has in in Fiora uh, this season. I, I don't know that that's a possibility, but I think that he will get the job done for Juventus as he's signed there to do. Yes, I, I do think that whilst there is some um, a, a degree of uh, Juve still needs rebuilding, it's still going through that. I think this is a step in the in the right direction. Basically, obviously, there's still lots to fix. We can talk for hours, like we already have, about the midfield, but this is definitely a, a step in the right direction. Now. Especially, it's a it's a signing for the future as well. Vlavic is is very young. He is, and I, and I I look forward to seeing how he and Paulo Dybala will, will combine and perform a partnership because I think those two together could be really good. Yeah, La Joya. If, if, he's, not, if he's not too busy staring him out <laughs> like he did to Nebbet two weeks ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another signing that's just sort of uh, propped up. I don't know how this official this is, but Robin, Robin Gosens to Inter. Yeah, it seems like it's all but done now, to be honest. It seems like he's heading heading in that in that direction. This would be a watershed signing for for Inter. It'd be a fantastic signing. I think he's one. I think he, last year, um, and and during the COVID season and just the year before that, he was one of the best yeah, fullbacks in the sure. world. I'm I'm hundred percent with you. He's uh, he's very underrated in a global perspective. Uh, he's he's absolutely fantastic as a as a wing back and. Left back, you can put him basically anywhere you want, and he will do a great job for you. Um, so that's that's that would be a great signing for Inter. Uh, it would give them an edge on that position, uh, which they don't have right now. I think with uh, with uh, Di Marco and uh, and I think Perisic just played there a bit as well. Yeah, so it would be Perisic and uh, not sorry, not Perisic. It would be Gosens and Dumfries on the left. And the right wing, which sounds really, really appetizing if you're uh, an Inter fan, basically. I, I don't know how official it is yet, but I this would be an amazing signing for them. Atalanta do have a habit of doing this when they develop players and then sort of happily sell them. Yeah, it's it's basically their their strategy. Uh, and and as as you said, uh, they they have players they they sell them, and usually they have uh, backups already and. They do have that now in the, in the Danish wing back Joachim Mele, um, who had fantastic yeah. Euros yeah. Uh, and is ready to take the next step and become a starter. I think uh, so. It wouldn't surprise me if if they don't sign a new uh, or should I say sign a replacement to Ghosts. I think that they already have that in their squad. Yeah. Just, just as I, let's uh, just moving away from the uh, Robin Gosens angle because I'm just literally seeing uh, a headline move now. Diego Costa has accepted an offer to join Salernitana. Have you seen this? Yeah, I saw it. 
Precisely before Mad. we go down. The raging bull coming to Syria. <sighs> I love this. What is happening in the, in the sort of last two hours? Like this morning before lunch, there was nothing. And then I was seeing, seeing all this Mercato going mad. And oh, Vlaovic, Robbie Gosens, Diego Costa. You know what we're experiencing? A Mercato madness. Yay. Mercato madness. Well, I don't think it sounds as cool when I say <laughs> it, but Mercato madness. Yeah. The- Italian Mercato has a habit of doing this and just go batshit crazy. Um <laughs> <laughs> so Salernitana would have Ribery and Diego Costa relying on two sort of pristine European veterans to try and keep them up. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a good signing for them. I mean, Diego Costa proved proved last season at uh, Atletico Mineiro that he's he's still a dependable striker who scores goals and gets the job done and. The, Salernitana needs every help they can get right now, um, and they have someone who who's proven successful in in the goal scoring department will will only do them good, I think. Yeah, exactly. A bit of experience, especially when you're down there and you get just any help that you can. Surely, like the only way is up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, and I think that's that's yeah, that's I think that's how it, how they see it right now. They they need every help they can get. Yeah. Okay. Moving away from Makato because I, you know, transfers are, 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 is that sort of aspect of football where it's just very excitable to speak about certain players going here, going there. <laughs> uh, and then you sort of get, get up reasons about, oh, he might go there because of this. And it's like, we don't know shit until, until it's like actually released. We don't really know anything. <laughs> so there was a Serie A games played, of course, this week. I think Serie A took a breather. It sort of does this. It has like one, two, three weeks of ongoing madness sort of back-to-back, and then it, it sort of takes a bit of a breather. There was less goals scored this weekend. There was uh, a couple of nil-nils. Let's start with uh, ugh, this dud of a game, Milan Juve. Did, did you watch it? Or? Unfortunately, I did. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I don't... Um, I mean, also, the pitch, the state of the pitch of, of the San Siro. I get that there's... Uh, games played with Inter as well but the state of the pitch was just it was like potato level you could hear like the ball bouncing in like the wrong ridiculous shape. ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and Maldini had uh, had some questions about that before the game and he said that uh, Inter and, and Milan have uh, have discussed it and they are going to redo the turf in like two two to three weeks uh, but until then this is the pitch they're playing on yeah I mean what do you need to discuss about that it should be What do you think? Him and Zanetti are just up there like, mm, yeah, should we just keep it? What do you, uh, I mean, like, of course, it's, it's very bad. There's there's games coming up as well after the winter break where it's going to be sort of, I think, once every maybe four or five days, as in as in for both teams. So it, so it routinely gets, uh, gets played on. It's it's that kind of year. It it always is like that, and, and but I think it's it's worse now than previous previous years. I I can't remember the pitch at San Siro being this bad. Being that bad, yeah. For 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 one of the most feared, like one of the best stadiums in the world as well. It it, it wasn't a good look, and uh, neither was the game. To be honest, the I, I'd like to sit here and say it was like a tactical chess battle and everything, but there wasn't too much going on. There wasn't too many chances. Sandro Tonali, I thought, was fantastic. Um, 
strangely enough, so was Rodrigo Bentanco. Bentanco had a great game for, for Juve, but I think it was very much a, a midfield battle that ended up in a stalemate where nobody really took the onus in creating chances. Milan here and there, maybe, I think the best couple of chances fell to Oliver Giroud, where he could have done better with uh, with a couple of headers. But um, apart from that, not too much to write home about. Theo Hernandez and Liao, again, looked very formidable. They're sort of working their way back up to what they were when before they left. So uh, Milan having that left side is going to be a, a good factor if they're too continue Scudetto till the end of the season. David Calabria as well actually looked very fresh and looked back uh, basically on the form that he was on before he left for injury as well. So it feels like Milan are getting attack back on both their left and their right side. It, it, I, I feel exactly the same and it's funny that you say that because I think that, that uh, Bentancu and, and Tonali was the best players on the pitch as well. The thing though, I think with uh, with Milan's left, left wing is it's it's their best attacking option, but it's also their biggest liability defensively because usually I would say Liao works <coughs> works in a defensive department and, and and runs a lot, but I didn't think he did that against Juventus and and that leaves Mila Mila vulnerable on that on that uh, wing. And as we know previously, Diego Hernandez is a fantastic player going forward, but he, but he also lacked in the defensive department, so. He does. He does. Uh, I think it's their best uh, attacking option, but also their biggest defensive liability uh, at the same time. Yeah, and at times that can be exposed, but uh, at the same time, I do think it's one of the best left sides in in Europe. So you. It's it's worth sacrificing that on occasion if if teams are smart enough to pick it off. Um, it, it did feel like in this game uh, that there was just a pass off from from both teams. I think both teams really really struggled to create. Um, Milan in particular, when they lose a pivot, uh, rather Krunic played with Sandro Tonali as opposed to Kessi. I know Ismail Benesa came on later. But when they lose one of those two in the middle, they lack so much creativity. I think. Yeah, Milan do, and uh, I think it's it's quite obvious that now when whether uh, when uh, now Benazer was back, but when Kessi is gone and Benazer was gone, I think Milan also loses an edge, uh, which I I didn't see this game either. Uh, so I think it will get better uh, now when. When everyone starts to come back, it's been a very injury plagued Milan team as well. Uh, but it, yeah, Lord knows it has been. <laughs> yeah, and but it, it's getting better, and I think it's uh, it's upwards from here. I think. Yeah, slowly getting players back uh, here and there. What do you think of you with this game? <laughs> to be honest, I I I they didn't play a bad game, but I I was. Kind of surprised that they didn't go forward more than they did. It felt like they they were pleased going, especially with Kalulu and Romagnoli in the in the centre back pairing. Yeah, yeah, and it felt like like they were content with going to San Siro and getting one point from from the get go. Uh, I didn't think they showed that much will and desire to get three points. Zero shots on target as well. <laughs> that, that's not a 
received for success. Yeah, or zero shots on target. I think their best chance was when Codrado burst through on the right and uh, put a shot past uh, Manian, basically. Speaking of that, that reminds me that Milan also had a great chance when uh, Salamakers uh, wiggled his way through. Yeah, and instead of uh, of passing Giroud, and I think Messias, uh, he, he shot to row 23 instead. <laughs> I think the Giroud chance was the most guilt-edged, though. You know when he crossed it, not crossed it, but he crossed it back ahead goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as in, he, he crossed it back the, the box. Yeah, and you can see Brahim Diaz standing there, but shoot, man, shoot. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, Try, as in trying to knock it down, but uh, he just sort of puffed his arms out, and I think that re- represents the game. Honestly, there really wasn't much to, to write home about with this one, which is a shame because we've we've had so many big games this year in City that have actually been good uh, to, to look forward to. Completely agree. Another one of the seven sisters clashed this uh, this weekend. Well, another two of the seven sisters clashed this weekend. Lazio and Atalanta, and another goalless draw. Maxi, yay! <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting. I, I think Sadi just saw this game and was like, "Finally, finally!" Someone said to him, "We're conceding too many goals. We're just..." We're so open at the back. And finally, he's gone, all right, fine, yeah. Um, having said that, Atalanta have had <laughs> a lot of injuries. They, they still have seven players out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this last week as well, after they played Inter, that they had a very injury-played team. And it was it was still the case this weekend against Atalanta. Yeah, Lazio with the, the majority of the possession. I thought Zakanji looked good in this game. Yeah, Sakanji was a very good. He was was the uh, was the standout player. But again, on, honestly, a really dull game. <laughs> I I personally found it dull. Normally, I can sort of get into the tactics and and what they're trying to do. But I I, I thought it was just a, a bit of a write off of a goalless draw. Atalanta with the injuries just really look lost up front. They don't they didn't even have Luis Muriel, which meant Miranchuk and Roberto Piccoli had to play up front. They really miss an outlet anyway in Zapata. But when Muriel's off, it just uh, it just doubles. And Petella played second strike as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Scovani in midfield. I mean, they're not at a level where Derun has to go into the centre-back three, but they're, they're probably worse off because they don't even have Derun now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and as you said, I, I thought they had... Uh, they It showed that they didn't have that edge uh, offensively. Uh, they didn't threaten Lazio in that at that many times. And... It was more or less the, the other way around. At last, they were close. Were closer to the win. Sakanji had a great shot in the po- at, uh, who hit, that hit the post, and yeah, had some other. Marusic had a, a shot going just wide of the of the crossbar, which could have been an an outstanding goal, but the marginals weren't on on Lazio's side. So, I I I I, I think that. Um, as you said, when it's a zero-zero game, uh, you you look for something to, to focus on, and, and I I locked my sight on on the set game, Milinkovic-Savic game, and I I was just wowed 
about how what a player that is. Yeah, I still can't. I mean, no offense to Lazio fans, but I'm I'm still so surprised that not, that a bigger team hasn't picked him up, or um, or he's not had a move abroad to, to possibly England or Spain or or, or just uh, anywhere really. I mean, I think Lazio have done well to keep a hold of him. I I think so too. Uh, I think it's a the combination of of uh, Lotito's uh, demands for him uh, and him. Is the last two maybe two years he's been a bit up and down, and uh, this year he's been a lot of up, and I think he does the practice best. That maybe has, has affected teams as well uh, from from spending that big, that much money on him. Yeah, it, it does seem like Maurizio Sarri is going to be given sort of the season to hone Sarri ball in into these players and and just sort of have a free roam of like, okay, this is sort of like a feeler season. You know what I mean? And then sort of next season, they... they Because I, I think their squad should be better than where they are. For sure, for sure. Uh, they have a, they have a good squad. I know we, we tease Max Allegri and Juventus a lot with the way they play football, but he is on... He, him and Juve are on 42 points now. They're only a point behind Atalanta all of a sudden. It's, it's why you should never count Juve off. They they have the DNA. Yeah. The problem with that though is Allegri probably looks at that and goes, "I'm doing a great <laughs> job. This is the kind of football that we play." Oh yeah, and that's in turn bad for the neutrals and bad for Juve fans because it can be very boring to watch. This is the great success. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, l- let let's see how it goes. But the the fight for fourth, I think, is very much between Atalanta, Juve. I don't think a team's getting in there. No, no, I think it's between the they them two uh, as well. Last word on Lazio Atalanta? <laughs> not, not really much to say to be honest. <laughs> met with a sigh, met with a sigh, uh nil nil and let's, uh, move, let's on. move on. Yeah. League leaders got another three points against Venezia. Had to work very hard for it though this uh, this time. It was a last minute Eden Zeko winner. Finally got the goal after sort of I think two odd games where he's had tons of chances. Yeah, it was uh, it was a hard fought win for for Inter, who basically killed it off in, in the in the last minutes of the game. Um, but it it also goes to show that the Inter have that kind of you know the same DNA Juventus has now, where they they grind hard and and get get the results no matter how tough of a game it is or how bad they're playing or or anything like that. They they have what it takes. To, to get the three points now, and that that really showed against Venezia. Do you? Yeah, couldn't have said it better. They've really taken over those uh, those Juve reigns, especially when teams get ninetieth minute winner. I know pe- people when they say oh, a late goal and it's like eighty first, eighty second, eighty sixth, but it's the, when it's the last kick of the game, like last last kick of the game, it gives everybody a buzz and a lift, and you just think, or, or like Milan fans, or maybe even Napoli fans would look at that and go, oh. God's sake, they've they've won. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I went there. I went that well. When when it when they were so close to to drawing. That, that was basically me this this weekend. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. It was close, man. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, uh, say two years ago, I don't think Inter would have would have uh, won this game. Maybe maybe no. a draw, but but that's it. 
uh, it, it's been the last two years that they, they, they've had this ability to grind out results. And, and damn, they're good at it now. Yeah, yeah. You said that with a hint of frustration. Damn, they're good at it now. <laughs> yeah, you know, as a Milanista, I, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's uh, tough when, when the cousins are, are better than us. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're still there, thereabouts. I think it was just that loss to Spezia. Like, I'm looking now, they're four points ahead and could go seven ahead with the game in hand. With the game in hand. Yeah, I think I think Inter has basically basically won the Scudetto right now. And what? Come on, it's twenty. It's the twenty second game of the season, Max. I know, but you know, I I, I can't see any team get past them. It, I I think they're that good. Me too, but there's there's still plenty of football to play. They haven't really, like, really, really had a run of injuries yet. Somebody did make a really good point. Um, and, and this has been said, I know everybody, and including me, says, oh, inter-squad is really deep, which it is. But when they do get injuries and they are able to put somebody else on, that doesn't mean they're going to necessarily be good. Do you know what I mean? So, like, if, if they have a, an injury at fullback, it means they have Di Marco. Yeah. Which isn't... That's not going to strike fear into teams. Or if they have uh, an injury to a Barella or a Brozovic, it's going to be Gagliardini on. That's a good point, actually. I Thank you, Max. I stole it from somebody on Twitter, but yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I will give you all the credit. Thank you it. very much, yeah. <laughs> no, but but it, it's a good point, to be honest. Uh, maybe it's more, more on the attacking options where they have that. That fear striking that they have four strikers. They have four strikers. Yeah, Martinez, Zeko, Correa, and Alexis Sanchez, who looks uh, who looks better and better now. And in midfield, I guess it would be a Vidal on instead of like a Barella or a, a, a Hakan. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's a, it's still a good player, of course, but it, it it's not Barella or, or Hakan, especially not Hakan. It's not even the same type of player. No. Venezia did have a lot of injuries going into this game as well. They did. It's a, it was it was very strong of them to stand up against the, the reigning Serie A champions this 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 long. Uh, to be honest, and you know, they they took the lead after I think it was nineteen minutes or something like that with a, with a great goal. Uh, from from who? From Thomas who? Henri. Thierry. <laughs> Tionri on on like live score and everything it says Tionri <laughs> Tionri so obviously everybody starts remembering a certain French player who was average for Arsenal yeah average but do you know what what makes me really glad about uh, Venezia I don't know you like Venice you you went there on holiday one time you liked it no Luis Nani is back yeah did we did we speak about this last week I don't know I I don't think so. But yes, Luis Nani is back. I was surprised that he was still playing. We all were. But, uh, but it's uh, it's it's a really good comeback run. I think all these like some of these legends are getting are being called out of um not retirement but but out of sort of their slumber to to aid them in in this uh, in this Serie A title <laughs> battle. Yeah, uh, Serie A relegation battle. You know what I mean? Venezia have called up Luis Nani, Salernitana, like, all right, what? We got Diego Costa on the line. That's right, baby. Hold my beer. 
Yeah, yeah. I wonder if I wonder what Genoa are gonna pull out. Maybe Genoa will get, get like a Fernando Torres or a David Villa or Where a. Where is Yeah. Oh my God! Can you imagine? <laughs> but but what's, what's actually great about Nani's being back is his debut for Venezia. It took like a matter of minutes before he had an assist with Nani. It was an assist, yeah. It was an assist. He didn't. Did he come on against? Um, he, he, I think he came on for a little bit of time uh, against yeah, Inter, but uh, didn't didn't have too much of an impact because I think they spent sort of the majority of this of the second half just defending, really. Exactly, and uh, so he he came on for a little bit of time, but not not to set, make his mark, you know. Pleasure to see him uh, back playing in in one of the big European leagues. Venezia just hovering above the relegation zone on 18 points. I think this should be okay. I, I do think Kaleri and, well, Salernitana for me just look dead, so that's to go down. But but it is like sort of halfway through the season, like uh, like you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. But I, honestly, I can't see Genoa and Salernitana will go down for me. Then it's a matter of, of Venezia or Cagliari. And in that department, I, I hold uh, Venezia higher, to be honest. Yeah, and then it's a matter of who will Matteo Destro go to after after getting relegated. <laughs> That's a good point. Just have him, have him at Milan. Have him at Milan. You need a you need a striker. Oh, he's been there and done that. He needs a new new address. Yeah, you got Lazatich. The the big, as I said earlier, it's the it's the, the big biggest Mercato regarding a Serbian striker. I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here, Maxi, but give us the lowdown on the new Serbian footballer for uh, for Milan. It's the it's the big signing for for Milan, but also at the same time, I think it's it's worth us sort of quickly talking about Milan's transfers and their transfer strategy because it's it's odd to me that whilst others are strengthening, Milan are sort of just not moving in the market. But it's maybe a a sign of how good, just how good Pioli's management has been with these players, with everything considered when he probably A, doesn't have everything that he wants and B, doesn't look like he's going to get what he wants either on the way. Precisely. So so this this new striker uh, who, who Milan is signing, I think he signed his contract tonight. Uh, it's, it's Wednesday now. Uh, so he's a... He's a as I've I've been told, he's a high regarded Serbian striker. He's played uh, senior football with the uh, with the Red Star Belgrade. I'm not going to try and pronounce the the Serbian name for it. Uh, I I won't make a fool out of myself. Uh, but it, it's kind of the same type of player as Pietro Pellegrini, who's been who's been at Milan now, but he's moving on to Torino on loan. Uh, Milan. It was talk about Milan signing him and then loaning him to Torino, but now it's just going to be a straight loan from, from Monaco to Torino. Um, so Lasetic is basically uh, Pellegrini's uh, replacement uh, as third third choice striker. Uh, but what I've been told is he's, he's a very promising player. He's a, a tall player, but still still good with the ball. Uh, He's smart. He's very effective in front of the ball. Um, maybe he's not ready to like get that many minutes as, as in your football right now for Milan. But uh, in the coming year or so, I think I think it will be a, a 
good good option for Pioli. Yeah, and and what do you think about sort of the the incomings for Milan and and Pioli sort of not being hung out to dry, but basically not getting too many signings or not strengthening? I, I don't know. I I do think Milan needs some strengthening to to be a real threat in the in the table. Uh, but Maldini's been clear all along that Milan won't make that many moves this this uh, January. So I haven't <laughs> expected much from them, to be honest. Uh, but I would have liked perhaps a uh, center half for Milan now as uh, Gary is injured and then tomorrow it's... Yeah, he, he's back soon. But another defender, central, central defender would, would have been good. And uh, maybe another playmaking type of midfielder. And uh, perhaps winger, but a right winger, a right winger, for sure for for uh, for for Milan. But I I I don't expect much from that to be honest. Maybe Lasetich <laughs> now and perhaps one more incoming. But I, I I don't have high expectations of Milan making many moves this this January. It's it's basically over January now. February is only what is it six six days away. So. Six days away, yeah. Six days away, and we're finished with the first month of the year. New year, new me. New year, new me. Same old ADR. Yeah. But anyway, on on that bombshell, that, that's all we have time for this week on Area de Rigori for BreakingTheLines.com. Please check out some of the new articles on, on there. Uh, there's a good piece about Syria. Being one of the most entertaining leagues in the in the world right now, written by yours truly. Thanks for coming on, Maxi. Thank you for having me. We'll see you not next week, the week after. Maxi has some sleep to catch up on, and um, it's the international break. So we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.